0: Hi guys Okay, so I'm just going to jump right into it again My name is Pamela And that's my husband Randy We've been married for 36 years This month Yeah Yeah. Okay, so um, We moved to the very little barrier island Of Sunset Beach, North Carolina When we were in our 20s And it was a incredibly beautiful, awesome, blow your mind, man, I can't believe this exists type place, Um, 19 people that lived on the island, 21 including us, and there were only two other people our age, and they were the innkeepers, and they, Catherine and David, were very, very over-the-top, happy, straight people. And I had not had straight friends since I was about 13. So this was a wow, new deal. But they were they were so happy, and they were the only two young people on the island. So we became super close friends. Uh, David loved to play basketball and play music, and that's what my husband does. And Catherine loved to just talk and laugh, and she is and was then in her 20s just an excellent cook and they just grabbed us and started loving us and always wanted us to come over and eat with them and just hang out with them so we shared that first year together on that island most of our free time all of the holidays and birthdays and just hanging out and then David called one day, and uh, I could tell it was really urgent. And he said, I've got to come over and talk to you guys. And so I said, okay, come on over. He came in. He was really antsy, just pacing about in our little apartment. And finally he sat down, and I was it was one room, And so there's the little living room here and the little kitchen. And so I'm just standing back there, and I'm just watching him as he's freaking out. And um, he said, he just sat there, and then he just blurted out. He said, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and I'm a fanatic. And I was like, whoa, you know, I eliminated Jesus a long time ago. Just, I always believed in God. I always believed in Creator God. I could see it in the beauty of the world. I could see it in the island. Man, I knew there was a God. But the whole Jesus thing, I, it was just way too violent. There's blood. There's a cross. Uh, sinning, you know, I didn't really understand it, but it was just like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm looking for, you know, who created all this beauty here on this island. I'm not, I'm not into the violent stuff. And, you know, it was just, I just stood there looking at him, and I'm thinking, okay, for this hippie hiker tree hugger type person that I am. This is just like way out there. But we didn't talk about it. That was the wild thing about it. After he blurted out what he was and he was a fanatic and all that, the odd thing about it is that we did not discuss it. I don't know what we did that day. If he and Randy played basketball, we ate dinner together, I have no idea. But that never came up again. But God started doing some supernatural things in my life. The first thing that started happening is I started having this snippet of a dream that it was a reoccurring dream of people, one on my right, one on my left, speaking into my ears softly in a foreign language. And I was, in the dream, I was like, I always felt really peaceful. And so I didn't think anything about it. But then the dream started reoccurring. And I'm thinking that maybe over a period of about six months, I'm not sure, I kept having that same dream. And then after a while, I'm like super frustrated, like, man, what is this about? You know, it's not scary, but why are these people appearing in my dreams and speaking to me in a foreign language? What's up with that? And then the second thing that happened, I was home by myself on the island in our little apartment, had all the windows open, and I lay down on the bed, and I was just listening to the wind and listening to the ocean, And then I started hearing something, and I knew it was coming from the cottage behind us, but you can't see it because of the overgrowth, but I could hear what was going on. And it sounded like little children's chairs, wooden chairs, moving on a wooden floor, and they, there were children, lots of children, and they were laughing. It was like, when I think about it now, it was like a bubbly joy. But it wasn't like, now that I've thought about it, it wasn't like normal children. You know, there's always things going on and there's different tones and all. This was like one child but lots of children, And it was very joyous. And they were moving around. They were really excited. And then all of a sudden it got quiet. And I started hearing Amazing Grace. These little children are singing Amazing Grace. And my first thought was to jump up and close the window. I don't believe in that. But instead I just lay there, and I listened. And when it was all over, it was quiet. I didn't hear anything else. I guess I got busy. I don't know. Randy came home, and I asked him, I said, is there someone over in the cottage? And he said, no, there's no one there. And so the next morning, I got up, and I went over there. I did not tell him what I had heard. But I went over there. And at that time, all the roads were just these little sandy paths, white sand. So if anyone drove down a road or walked, you know, you're going to see the evidence there. But I went over there, and there's nothing. It was sand just swept clean by the wind. And so... You know, I didn't know what was going on. And then, I don't know when it was. might have been several weeks, several months. I had this dream. And I was on this, I was at this busy intersection. And I'm standing there, and this mountain appears before me. And when it appeared, I just called out, and I said, How can I get up this mountain? And when I said that, I'm already standing close to the mountain. And when I said that, this beautiful man walked out from behind boulders, great big boulders, brown brown boulders. He walked out, and he looked at me, And when he looked at me, and there wasn't any indication that, I mean, he didn't have the garb on as a shepherd. There was no indication of that. But when I looked at him, I heard, I guess I heard the word shepherd. And we're standing there looking at each other for maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds and he's smiling, and he's, it's like his face is laughing. And he's looking at me with total recognition, like, girl, I'm so glad to see you. You know, you could see it on his face. And we're looking at each other, and I'm just looking into his eyes. And his, I've told this story a lot. His eyes are like liquid laughing love, that's the only way you can describe him. And he was totally, absolutely happy to see me. And so uh, when the dream was over, you told me to turn it off. okay, I'm good. So, when the dream was over, I had been reading a book, this mystical, schmistical mystical book about dream interpretation, and one of the theories was, well, if you want to understand a dream, just go back to the original word meaning, and uh, that, that will explain your dream. So, I'm down with that. I get my dictionary out. It's actually Randy's dictionary, um, I got it out and I looked up the word shepherd because I'm trying to understand this dream. Who is this beautiful person that I saw and he knows me and he's laughing at me and he really seems to like me a lot. Who is he? And underneath the word shepherd in the fourth entry capitalized is the shepherd Jesus Christ. And I was not happy. (laughs) That's not what I wanted to hear. I'm not looking for Jesus. You know, I'm a hippie. I'm counterculture. We don't believe in violence. You know, we're looking for love, peace, and joy, and let's go party. And so I didn't tell Randy. I didn't tell him about any of this. And then one night, we went over to Catherine and David's. We had dinner. at uh, Valentine's. And uh, we're about to leave. It's midnight. And we're just about to leave. And David says, listen, before you guys go, I want to play this album for you. I was like, okay, cool. So we're in their little living room. And it's, uh, it was small, narrow. The lights are out, just the wood-burning stove. I'm on the floor in almost dark in a corner and I'm just listening to this album this uh, churchy guy and he's telling all these corny jokes you know churchy jokes and I'm like what's up with this this is so dumb you know and I'm so wanting to get out of the out of the room and then he switches gears and he starts describing very, very graphically the crucifixion of Jesus. And the thing I remember most is the way he described the beating of Jesus. And he described the, um, the cords of the whip and that on the end of the whip, that the soldiers would tie shards of pottery or metal to rip the flesh off of the back of whomever they were flogging. And because I had done pottery, that was so vivid to me. I could see those sharp, sharp shreds of pottery just going into his back and him being beaten and the whole gory thing. And I'm listening to this, and as I'm listening to this, God just opens my heart. And somehow, I know this is truth. The Holy Spirit just opened my heart. I mean, I went from, this is so stupid, this is lame, to, this is true. It was the Holy Spirit opening my heart. And so when it was all over, I'm there in the dark, and I'm just shaking, And uh, I got up, and I said, would you guys pray for me? And so I went and sat down between Catherine and David on the sofa, and they're praying for me. I don't know how long they prayed. I didn't pray. I don't know what they said. I don't remember any of that. But after a while, I just said, this is not working. I mean, how would I know this is not working? What is this? I've never asked anybody to pray for me in my life. I was 27 years old. I never thought about asking someone to pray for me. And when I said, this is not working, you know, it had to be the Lord. And if they had turned to me and said, what do you mean it's not working? I would have said, I don't know, you know, but they knew. They knew exactly what needed to be done, and so um, they switched gears on me, and they started praying in foreign languages, and I'm like, okay, I know what this is. This is cool. This is cool. I know what this is, and so they're just praying for me in these foreign languages, And um, then David, I think he stood up. It felt like he stood up. And he started taking authority over the devil. And he said, Pamela, I'll loose you from the power of the devil. I'll loose you from Satan. And as he began to do that and take authority over Satan, um, now this next part, my emotions were totally suspended. Had God not done that for me, I probably at the very least would have fainted. You know, I might have had a heart attack or I might have just, you know, ran out of the room. I don't know. But anyway, as they continued to pray in their foreign language, I felt as though, I didn't feel the sensation of it, but I knew that I was dropping into a pit. And it was a, if you've ever been hiking and you know how you can go way down into a cavern and uh, they'll turn the lights out and you're in total darkness? If you've ever done that before, if you've experienced that, that's what it was like at that moment. Because it's not like a darkness that we experience on earth. It was t- It's the type of darkness that somebody can be in your face and you don't even know they're there. And I was... And it felt like I was absolutely, totally alone. And I just was descending, dropping into this pit. And then I began to hear wind whirling about me. And so I'm just thinking, okay, the wind is really blowing outside. You know, it's the coast, the wind blows. Okay, so that's what I'm hearing. And then I began to hear... What I associated with, the only thing I knew, uh, that only point of reference was dogs howling and barking. I could hear them all around me. And, you know, I don't know in that region where I was, that dark region, I don't know if that was outer darkness. I don't know, you know, was that dogs or were those demons howling? Uh, was was that people, was that people howling in agony, in hell? You know, I I didn't know. I thought it was outside then, but after they got through pr- praying for me, and I said to them, "Did you hear the wind? Man, the wind was really blowing." And they said, "No, no wind, Pamela." What about the dogs? Did you hear the howling? No howling. No dogs. And at that moment, when it was over, I just started shaking. When I realized the impact of where I was, I was just about in hell. And I was, God let me experience that. He he protected me when it was going on. But he wanted me to experience that. And I'm standing here today, and I'm telling you people, hell is real. It's real. I've experienced it. And for about a year, when I would try and tell my story, maybe it was longer than that, I would just, when I got to this part about the dropping into the pit, I would just shake uncontrollably. It was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But that night, sometime between one, 1 30, 4, 5, 5 o'clock in the morning, I was born again. I mean, I was like totally born again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And as I stood in Catherine's living room, she gave me the first and most important principle that I would ever need to be a Christian, this little 22-year-old woman. And she said, I'm not going to give you a list of rules, Pamela. God is living on the inside of you. Wherever you go, he's going to be with you. And he's going to speak to you. And when he does, you obey. That's it, people. That's it. God's on the inside of you. He's going to be with you wherever you go. And he's going to speak to you. And whatever he says, you do it. And that's what I want to share with you today, is that that is the most important principle that I have ever learned. And I don't know if Catherine knew how profound that was, but as I have grown and learned the Word of God, I can tell you it really is the most important principle. If I were about to blast off and I had one last thing I could say to my son, Andrew, I would tell him the very same thing. What you need to do is get right with God. Have God in your heart. He's in your heart. Listen to him and obey. It's not rocket science. I mean, it's hard. But it's really simple to understand. And, you know, when you read the Bible, it is simple. When you get into mystical, schmistical stuff, dude, you better sit down and get out. You know, it's, it's garbage. Because people are trying to impress you with what they know. God's not trying to impress us. He's trying to say, he's trying to make it just as simple as he can. Just as simple so nobody can miss it. So that first principle, God's in your heart, he's going to speak to you, and you obey. And just think about the implications of that. Okay, if God's going to speak, and I, man, I was, I was like, oh, man, this is so awesome. God's going to speak to me? So what does that mean? That means I'm going to have to listen. Listen. I'm, I am going to have to learn to listen. And I found out through the years that it is a discipline. You know, you can think, oh, yeah, man, I want to hear God. Yeah, I want to hear God speak to me all the time, every day. Well, it's a discipline. It doesn't just happen. You decide, you make that choice, I want to hear you, God. You want me to hear you. I want to hear you. So I'm opening up my heart to you to hear. And the thing that I discovered as I started to read the Bible three times in the New Testament is the same story, the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember what God said when he spoke? This is my son, my beloved son, listen to him. Three times he said it. And the amazing thing that in this word listen, in the original language, it's not like listening in the West here. Yeah, let me think about that. You know, I'm going to analyze this. I'll get back with you. No. This word means you listen and you obey and you yield. Do you have your do you have a Bible with you? Or maybe your tablet. Let's look this up. And I want you to if you've got a tablet or an amplified, if you'll go to that, please, and we're going to Luke 9:35. Okay, I'm just going to read this one verse for you. This is in the Amplified, and I just want you to hear it. This is Luke 9.35. And then there came a voice out of the clouds saying, This is my beloved Son, my chosen one, my beloved. Listen to, now this is it, people. This is what it's all about, built within this word, are the instructions on how to listen to God. And it's so simple, you can miss it. It's not hard. It, I mean, it's very easy to understand. Listen to and yield to and obey. You hear that middle word? Yield. Yield. That is the key. That's the key. A yielded heart toward God all the time, a discipline where you just make a choice, I'm going to listen to you, God, in everything I do. I'm going to be in my mind. I'm going to be saying, what do you think about this, Jesus? What do you want me to do? What about this? And your mind, your heart, your inner man is open to God all the time. This thing is not going to work if it's a churchy thing. You know, I'm going to get spiritual on Sunday and, you know, that's not going to work. This is not what he's talking about here. Listen to him means all the time. And it's possible or God would not have said it. (laughs) You know? I mean, it's just that simple. And it's just a, a discipline. Training yourself just like a... Well, a mother doesn't have to train herself, it's natural. If you have a baby, you're going to be listening for that child. You're going to be listening for every little sound because you want to make sure that you hear that child. And that's that's what this is all about. And that's what Catherine was teaching me. Listen to God, Pamela, and obey him. And it wasn't very long, it was just a couple of, weeks after um, I had been saved and Catherine loaned me her Bible. And I have to tell you, that was one of the most exciting times of my life, reading the Bible for the first time and reading those words. And, and just like, God, you got to be kidding me. You mean really? You mean really, God that you love me this much? you got to be kidding. Is this real? And so many of those scriptures that I read the first weeks and the first months, they're like spiritual tattoos. They're like scriptures that are indelible on me, and they've changed my life, and that's the power of God's Word. You know, if we'll just sit down and read it with an open mind, the first scripture Catherine taught me is that the power the power of God can be compromised. I'm not saying it right, I'm paraphrasing it. The power of God can be compromised by tradition. The traditions of God make the word of the traditions of man make the word of God of none effect. So you can sit down with your Bible and you can say, okay, one in the old, one in the new, Psalms, Proverbs, bam, I'm done, you know, but we have to read it and just say, God, open my heart. You know, I, I was fortunate that I didn't have any traditions and it was just like mainlining the word of God you know, but if you were raised in a traditional church that doesn't believe that you can be close to God, that you can hear him, that you can be healed, you have to put those traditions on the table. When you read something contrary, you just say, God changed my mind, you know, what I think is not what you say, and he will do that, he will do that. Okay, so can I take two more minutes? Um, one, just a couple of other things that I found out that God does. This is going to seem sort of simple and like, come on, girl, we know that. But li- just listen to it. What, um, what happens when you become a Christian? I don't know where my notes are, but I know what happens. Okay. Um, He will teach you new words to say to people. He's going to teach you some new words. And here they are. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. please forgive me, please. I made a mistake. That's the language he teaches us. And it's so freeing. I don't have to be Miss Know-It-All. You know? And you don't either. If, If you make a mistake, just say, dude, I blew it. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And if you mean it from your heart, you're good. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we say to each other. And I had uh, experience a couple of months ago. You know, th- I know this doesn't sound profound, but it will change your life. It will save your marriage. Right. You know, it will. It will save your marriage. If you learn how to say, I was wrong, please forgive me. It will. Uh, and it might save your job. <laughs> um. I had an experience with my son, Andrew, who is 25, uh, several months ago. He came over for dinner. And I said something that was really sarcastic. And the next day when I was in prayer, God said, that was not nice. You you apologize to him, just like you would say to a little child. You march right in there and tell them you're sorry. (laughs) That's exactly what he did. And don't you love that about God? You know, you march right in there and make that right. That was wrong. Don't do that. Stop it. You know, that's the beautiful thing about God. And so he was at work, and I texted him, and I just said, you know, and God told him, you know, he really helped me with it. And I, I just texted him, and I said, when you look in the, under the, when you look under the word bad mommy in the dictionary, I know you see my picture, but please forgive me. I love you. (laughs) And he texted me right back, and he said, "Um, Always, Mom, we're family. I love you. You know, that's the way it should be because we're not perfect. But I could have put a dagger in his heart. It could have stayed there. It could have harmed him. Words can hurt and damage people just like bullets or swords or anything else. That's why we have to be humble and just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. When you look up bad mommy in the dictionary, I know you see my picture, but please forgive me. I was wrong. So that's one thing I've learned being a Christian. Now, here's the last thing. And I'm going to do this very quickly, but it's very, very important. Uh, in my journey of being a Christian, I've learned that God will teach you the dangers of sin. What is the deal with sin anyway? What, what's so bad about sin? Can't you just First John nine it? You know, I mean, come on now. Uh, Sin is deadly. Sin is deadly. That's what's bad about sin. It's deadly. Sin has a personality. It's like a computer program. There are certain elements that are built into it, certain tasks and purposes that it has, and sin has a personality. And I want you to look at the personality of sin. If you'll go to Genesis four, seven, please. Okay, I'm going to look it up here. The personality of sin, and this will blow you away, people. Uh, listen to this. This is the story of Cain and Abel. We're not going to go into it. You can go back and read it. God's talking to uh, Cain, and Cain is like super ticked off at God. And God says to him, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And And if you do not do well, sin crouches at the door, Its desire is for you. You hear that? Sin crouches at the door. Its desire is for you. That's what, that's what, that's the whole thing behind sin. It wants you, it wants to draw you away from God. You know, the disciple John leaning on the breast of of Jesus at the Last Supper. That's the epitome of drawing close to God and listening to Him. But this is what the devil wants to do with sin. And it comes in an unlimited variety of flavors. Dude, he's got a design just for you and me. You know, and to think that sin is not dangerous is very, very dangerous. I want to show you one more thing, and it's it's so powerful. That reiterates exactly what I'm saying. Uh, I think I'll just... um, I think it's Genesis 14, 21. And um, Abraham has captured the people and the goods that had been stolen From Sodom and remember Sodom was like the persona of evil and it was going to it was about to be destroyed and so Abraham has captured the goods and the people and the king of Sodom who is the personification of evil comes to Abraham who has all of his stuff and what does he say? You keep the goods. I want the people. And that word people means souls. That's why sin is so dangerous. It wants us. It wants us. It The personality of sin, that thing behind it, the devil, wants to draw us away from God. But you know what? God teaches us that we can master sin. It's not like this big hairy thing that's gonna beat your butt, you know. No, if we stay close to God, the Scripture promises that we won't be we won't be tempted above what we are able to endure. But He will make a way out. The way is there, but if you're not listening to God, you're not going to know where the door is. You know, that's the deal. And the condemnation where you feel like, no, I can't go into the presence of God because I'm, I've made a mistake. I'm sinful. I've blown it. You know, uh, that's the time you need to run to it, okay? Okay. That's the time you just need to turn around and say, I'm listening. Show me how to get out of this mess that I have made for my life. All right. So my time is like way over. And I'm going to stop now. And I just want to say that you guys are lovely, wonderful people. And I really do love you. I love our church. I'm so, so grateful. Uh, I've loved, praying for you guys I look at your faces and I and I I know your heart a lot of you and I just I praise God for you I'm so glad I can be here with you and I'm going to turn it let me just pray for you and I'll turn it back over to um, Pastor Jamie put your hands on your heart Lord we just praise you Jesus you're so so amazing Walk the aisles right now, I ask you, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and touch every person, Lord. You know the spiritual tattoo that you want to give them out of this message, God. And so I pray you do your work, Lord. You do your work, the indelible work of the Holy Spirit that ignites the scriptures in our life. And we. Carry them on for generations and pass them on like a torch. God do your work, I pray, in Jesus name.
1: Pastor Jamie? I'll give Pamela a hand. yeah. yeah. What a unique testimony. Jesus in dreams and going to hell and singing angels. Goodness gracious. I just pray when I was six or something. I mean, that's cool. Um, I love I love, you know, through this whole series how varied each person's testimony is. We don't all have to be the same. We're allowed to be different. And God deals with us. Through our differences, right? I love that the people that God put in Pamela and Randy's life were not professionals. They didn't even do it right. He just blurted out, I'm a Christian, Uh, uh, (laughs) listen to this guy, right? I mean, he didn't know what he was doing, but look at the fruit that it yielded in their lives, right? Right? I mean, it's just awesome. You don't have to be a professional to share your faith with Christ. I love the key, and it's the key to your walk with Christ, is learning how to listen, yielding your will, and simply obeying. That's it. That's what it's all about. Amen? Let's stand.